Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. This will be number four in overcoming temptation and unbelief, which is also kind of transitioning into this idea of nurturing spiritual desires, nurturing those spiritual desires. And so kind of the idea that we're talking about right now is there's a lot of opportunity for temptation, and it starts with thoughts and emotions and desires and then turns into action and then turns into full-grown sin. So yes, we are talking about behavior and dealing with those kinds of things. But, you know, typically when you're squeezed and you're going through pressure in life, you're going through a difficult situation, you're going to be more susceptible to temptation because you're, everything's hypersensitive and everything is unsettled and you're looking for your footing. And anytime you go through change, you ask yourself, who am I in this situation? Who is God? What does it look like for me to be this? I mean, do you ever feel like... There's actually a psychological disorder called the imposter syndrome where people feel like they're living a life, but it's not really their life. They feel kind of detached from what they're living in. That's normal because we weren't created to live in the middle of sin and death. We were created to live in life and peace in a garden with no shame, enjoying the fruit of what God created for us. That, that is how God designed us. The psychological makeup of a human being is designed to be in full direct fellowship with the Lord, enjoying His creation. So if it doesn't, if you don't feel quite right, you know, that's because it's not supposed to be this way. You know, we're not psychologically created to process death. That's why it's so foreign. You see people face disease and sickness and loss and tragedy, and it's like people respond and act different ways. You know, and, and, and you watch the brain patterns of neuroscientists that study those types of things, and there's so many, it, it looks like a disorder how we respond to those kinds of things. But when you're living in peace and harmony and your relationships are good and you're healthy, that's when your brain is actually normal and not misfiring and creating all this craziness that's going on. And so, of course, we're going to struggle. And right now, the entire world is being squeezed by tribulation, by sickness and death and disease and praise God, Jesus delivered us from that. Amen. Amen. And, you know, we're going to have tribulation in this world, but He overcame the world and we're overcomers in Him to whatever degree that looks like. You know, I don't want to try to... I, I like what you said, Lyle, about putting the benefits before, you know, the task. And, and I think a lot of charismatics get in trouble because the benefits get put before the just the simplicity of being a Christian, right? It's like, well, I can have healing and I can have this and I can have God wants me blessed. And so then the scale gets tipped too much. And then those that, you know, hold to a real strict fundamental biblical hermeneutic look at people that are putting the benefit, that are desiring the benefits, right? You want the benefits of being saved and being blessed by God. But there's this battle. I watched a documentary on Netflix and it was like, it may have been, it should have just been called, you know, Christian Battle Royale, 
you're, you guys ever, you ever grew up WWF, WWE? You know, it's just like everybody gets in the ring and last man standing wins. Sometimes that's what it feels like Christianity is. We're all attacking each other. And yes, there are people that get in error and use the word inappropriately and all that type of stuff, but it's like, let's, uh, well, you know, let's find common ground first. So, all right, enough rambling. Here we go. So we settled down to the idea based on James 1, thir- James 1, getting all the way down to James 1, 13. You know, in James at the top, he says, count it all joy when you fall into different temptations and your faith is tried and tested. And then he goes down a little bit further and he says, but don't say that it's from God, which is directly contradictory to what most people have been taught about God because most people have been taught, count it all joy when you fall into different temptations and trials and you suffer and ask for perseverance and wisdom and then you get a crown of life because you've suffered under God's hand and you've passed the test and he's proud of you. I mean, it's like it gets all, you know, jumbled up as if count it joy because God's doing it to you so that you'll learn patience. But then further down in James 1.13, he clearly says, but don't say that it's from God. And I've gone over this, you know, the past couple of weeks, and I've got a bunch of messages out there on it. God is not the author of the external pain and challenges that are coming into your life. If you experience suffering that is God-ordained in this earth, it's because you are experiencing persecution because you're stepping out and exercising your faith. But sickness, job loss, disease, emotional difficulty from relationships, God is not using those as tools to try to teach you lessons. You can't find that anywhere in Scripture. Everybody's still sitting here, so we'll keep going. Then we got into this a little bit. This is a little bit of review. So we start talking about how, how do we overcome temptation and unbelief? How do we nurture those spiritual desires? It's mind renewal unto transformation. So Romans 8, we looked at. For those who are, according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the, or who live after the Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. And so we went through all, a lot of scriptures last week that are biblical instruction on how to think and what to think about. In other words, how to set your mind on things of the Spirit. We looked at those you know, last week. So again, nurture spiritual desires by being spiritually minded. And then we even did a group exercise where we went through, you know, people are struggling with fear. Well, there's hope or faith. So fear might be the deceitful desire that, let me read this here, just to kind of context, contextualize it. Uh, so Ephesians 4.22, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. So he made you new in your spirit. He gave you his spirit. He gave you a new heart. Now the rest of your being has a choice until the resurrection or you move on or or however it's going to work in the future, you get that new body and it can't be corrupted anymore. Your spirit is one with him. You have a new heart. You are a new creation, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 
but you are to renew your mind so that the rest of your being is influenced by what he's done within you spiritually. And it has everything to do with how you think. And then we're going to look at today also how you speak. So we don't want to nurture deceitful desires. We want to nurture spiritual desires, righteousness, peace, joy, hope, faith, you know, patience, the fruits of the spirit, but then also the things that the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy. Make sense? And I, and I pray that you actually do this, you know, and I've got a homework assignment again today, and I'm actually going to do something in the Facebook group collectively that we can go through this together where you can either do it for yourself or we'll just maybe help you build one. But I really want you to have some type of, call it a creed, you know, like that word that came out last week, like a, a series of state, biblical statements scriptures, and then also statements about yourself derived from those passages that you are speaking about yourself into your life, that is the process of being made new in the attitude of your mind. A lot of us have bad attitudes. We have attitudes of fear. We have attitudes of just judgment. There's a lot of opportunity right now to fall into the temptation to judge them. And whoever them was for you, you know what I'm saying? Whether it be the left or this is that or the right or I, I don't even, you know, there's, man, we're so subdivided right now. That's where we got to watch out because we're being tempted to be divided. So be mindful of spirit. And I have a couple of statements. I, I woke up this week. And, you know, a lot of times the way that my messages kind of come together, I, I study and read and pray and talk, talk to the Lord and take notes. But it's interesting. It's a very common thing for me to wake up. And as soon as I'm just kind of realizing that I'm awake, I just sense that connection with Him. There's just kind of a communion with Him. Not all the time, but a lot of times. And, and it, a lot of times it's directly related to what I'm going to bring in on a Sunday and, and, and what happens is typically there's, there's pieces of the puzzle kind of fit together. So like when I wake up, I'm, I'm hearing like a pers a prog uh, a, the points of a sermon, you know. It's like this point, this, or there's a passage, or there's an idea. And the second half of that came together this way. I'm not, I'm not saying that he mystically floated it to me, but it's like he's just, it's a process. You know, he's, he's communing with me on the inside. But the, what I woke up with was the idea of grace and the fact that as soon as you wake up, you're laying there doing nothing. You don't have the opportunity to do anything except for what you start thinking about to do, right? You're unconscious laying there doing nothing. And then you wake up and then what you start thinking about and allow yourself to feel is what's going to drive the, your day. Now, I'm not sure if I'm conveying the emotion and, and the, the, the weight of that kind of opportunity to you in this moment because you know how you get, you know how this kind of revelation happens sometimes and it's like, it just makes so much sense. There's like light on it, you know, and it's like, yes, yes. That's what it felt like. And so on the back end of that, it was, okay, 
Today is whatever you're going to make it. Today is whatever you're going to let yourself think about, whatever you're going to respond to me and my leading. And then it came, the idea came in, there's grace. Grace right now, right now in this moment, as soon as you wake up and come to consciousness, you can choose to allow my grace to influence you. You can choose to allow my strength and my transformative power to be within you even before you get up out of the bed and put your feet on the ground. You can set your heart on me and let me influence you throughout your day because other things are going to influence you, your own thoughts, your own feelings. If you have pain or illness or sickness in your body, those are certainly going to start to influence you. I'm not beating you up for that kind of stuff, but I'm just saying they drive behavior, right? You have to respond to that. So you have to deal with that kind of stuff. Then you flip on the news or you have somebody in your house or you go to your job or whatever it might be. It's like sometimes it just gets piled up and piled up and piled up. And by the end of the day, you just feel like you're carrying this weight and you just beat down all day long. You know, that it happens. But what if you woke up in the morning and it's like, I'm going to set my heart toward the Lord. And I'm going to walk in the power of His grace with how I think about myself, how I think about who He is, other people, the people in my family, the people that I'm working with, what I'm going to eat today, what I'm going to tell myself today, what I'm going to do today. You know what I mean? Everything, in everything, you have an opportunity to choose grace and be influenced by God in everything. You're not a puppet. You're, in, you're co-laboring with him in this earth. So a couple of statements came out of that. Before you have the opportunity to make a bad decision or act on a deceitful desire, you have the opportunity to choose grace. You just do. And see, this is, this is the kind of idea where it's like when you really truly understand the finished work message, that you're not half-sinner, that you're the righteousness of God in Him, you have the opportunity and the capacity to not give in to sin and death. You will make decisions consistent with your inner state. So put seeds in that contribute to your desired inner state. And your inner state your mindset, your focus, your emotional makeup, what you're, how you're responding to the world around you develops that inner state, and it's your choice. So think about it. Like if, I bet if you were to have a log and keep track of what you think about all day long, you'd be surprised how negative our thinking is how off focus our thinking is, how much we beat ourselves up, how much we judge each other, you know, how much we question and wonder. We ask, we ask the same question from all the way back to the Garden of Eden where it's like, did God really say? Did God really say He's a provider? And then we have all these theologies that say, well, He kind of is. See, what He does is He dangles you by a rope and He makes sure that you have just barely enough, but He's going to kind of make it, He's going to shake the rope sometimes. You know, it's like this perspective that some people have of God, I don't, I don't really understand it. So, still talking about nurturing spiritual desires, you know. And, and what I'm talking about is a proactive lifestyle 
of following Jesus, not just a defensive lifestyle. You know, I think a lot of Christianity, it's kind of defensive. I'm talking, this is an offensive strategy today, right? We're on offense. We're going to score some touchdowns with how we follow Jesus today and the rest of our lives. It's not just, I'm going to manage, I'm, not gonna, I'm, not, I'm preparing myself to deal with whatever comes my way by choosing peace and all this stuff. Now we're going on the offense today. And I don't mean attack, I just mean proactively choosing to sow into you the things that you want in your life. Amen. And I'm not talking about Bugattis and mansions, although, you know, I don't think God's, you know, whatever. It, it's interesting to me that the people that are against financial blessing live in homes that are nicer than 99% of the homes on the planet. Have you ever been to Africa? I'm not going to go there. Let me just tell them, just keep, just keep going. So, hovering around this idea to be carnally or flesh-minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So, so what else does that thank you of, so, make you think of? So, so we're talking about experiencing the fruit of the Spirit in your life. We're talking about you nurturing these spiritual desires, not giving in to fear, not giving in to anxiety, depression, judgment toward one another, the opportunity to fall into division because of the way that the world is operating and structuring, even politically right now. It's very easy to give in to the temptation to judge people right now, right? Isn't it? So being carnally minded, we're dealing with overcoming temptation. So this idea to be carnally minded is life and death, but to be spiritually minded or, or death, but to be spiritual mind is life and peace. What else does that make you think of? What it makes me think of is this passage here. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. That's Proverbs 18, 21. So death, you could say it this way, looking back at Romans 8, death and life are in the power of the mind. To be spiritually minded is life and peace, but to be carnally minded is is death, right? Amen. To be speaking spiritually is life. Speaking carnally is death. It's all right. We're putting these two together. There's a mind-body connection in life and death. Now, it's interesting. This is one of those passages from Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. It's It's... That doesn't make sense. That's actually a bad translation. If you go to the Hebrew and you, and you look at how it was originally written and you put the words in the right order, Young's literal translation kind of does this, but in the Hebrew what it's saying is your tongue has the power of life and death. Or your tongue has the power of life and death and you will have whatever your tongue loves whether it be life or death. In other words, you will have in your life the fruit of what your tongue loves to empower, whether it be death or life. How many of you just really enjoy gossip and talking negative about other people? Not one honest person in this room. Tonight. You know that you do it. Think about it. 20 minutes in, and then you start feeling kind of sick to your stomach. It's like, I probably shouldn't be talking about them like that. 
You're laughing because you know. It's true. And, and, some, and hopefully you catch yourself. You know, it's just kind of human nature. We all think that way. We all do it. And sometimes we do it to make ourselves feel better or because we're jealous or they're really dumb. And it makes sense. And I'm not saying that you're somehow mystically killing them. You know what I mean? I'm just saying that you're speaking death. And, and then you do it to yourself. We do it with our minds, mostly to ourselves. Man, we beat ourselves up, don't we? Well, guess what kind of fruit that's going to produce? Carnal-mindedness produces death. What in the world are you letting yourself think about yourself like that for? Spiritual-mindedness produces life. Which one do you want? And then it comes on your tongue. Which one do you want? And again, it's, we're talking about seed casting. And I'm not talking about that you're manipulating the physical creation and attracting back to you those things that you're going to speak out there. That actually is a factor. You know, there is a biomagnetic aspect to us living in this earth, and I'm not going to go into a lot of that. But I'm talking about seed casting. Mark 4, that he says, the word is sown, and here's how it works. You go to sleep, you wake up, you don't know what happens, it comes to pass. Bears fruit after its own kind. Those thought, thoughts that you're letting, have, you're letting yourself have about yourself, they will bear fruit of their own kind. You know what they do? They reinforce that image that you have of yourself to keep making those same choices of death and destruction. And everybody else around you sees it too. That's why they're gossiping about you. Are you with me? I mean, I'm, I'm trying to be real with this. Because we take these concepts and we like read through Romans 8 and it's like, be spiritually minded. It's just like, oh, well, what does that mean? What kind of thoughts are you having about yourself? It's really the, that's the core of what it's talking about and who God is. You know, do you have carnal thoughts about God? When I say carnal, I mean flesh-based, legalistic, A plus B equals C. In God, it's like A equals all opportunity as possible. You know, you know what I'm saying? I, there's, I know there's a lot into this, and so I'm kind of going slow, and I'm repeating just because I want to make sure that this gets said because where I'm going is, you know, you're going to have a choice whether you want to step into it or not. So there's a mind-body connection. What you think and what you speak will produce life or death, but God gave us a secret weapon. And I'll just tell you straight up front because not everybody uses this gift and if you don't use this gift, please don't judge those of us that do use this gift. But what I'm talking about is praying in the Spirit, Amen. praying in tongues, praying in an unknown language. Amen. Now, it's been mistaught. Holy Ghost, Pentecostal, holiness people have been, they scare the death out of Baptist people. And a lot of Baptist people have been taught that it's of the devil. It's like, well, they did it in the, you know, Peter did it. Paul said he did it all the time, more than anybody. So it is a gift. Now, can it be misused? Of course. Can it be fake and fabricated? Of course. And unfortunately, those people that have tried to use it and step out in it, you judge yourself because you don't think that it's real and the enemy comes in and says, you remember what your grandmama said? You remember what that preacher said? And he did a very articulate job of showing you how you should not selfishly use the gift. It's like, come on, let's just let the Spirit do what He wants to do, okay? So 
This is a bit of a reminder. Those of, and, and don't worry, if you don't pray in the Spirit, I'm not going to force you to come down here and make you do that. It's not going to, we don't do that. There will be an opportunity. In fact, on these Wednesdays that are coming up, is that this week or next week that it starts? Not, not August 12th. We're doing three Wednesdays in a row, and I will be talking about gifts of the Spirit and what ministry looks like and, you know, just kind of the practical aspect of what that looks like. But I just really felt like God was saying, you know, we're focusing a lot on our mind, and our mind has the capacity of life or death, essentially. What you think about is going to tend you toward life or tend you toward death or produce all that stuff, however you'd want to say it. But so does your tongue. All right, so 1 Corinthians 14, 14. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. That, that's what I, like that right there is what I, that sums it up for me, is it's my spirit praying. So I think it's Dr. Newberg did the test, the neurologist that did the test on people speaking in tongues, and he showed that, you know, electromagnetically in your brain, people that are praying, only Christians, Praying in tongues, it lights up a different part of their brain and it shows that something is being articulated, but they don't know what they're saying. Now, when other religions were scanned, Buddhist monks, other people that chant and have mantras, I think people that were doing yoga, they did all those. Those people were all using their frontal cortex, which is the part that controls language, which means that they were using syllables and sounds native to their own tongue and their own language, but they were just making up sounds. When Christians were doing it, they were using a part of their brain that wasn't controlled by speech. And, I, you know, there, there's more detail to it. But it, so it was like, but they were sounds that were being formed, but they didn't know what they were saying. So there's a difference between the two, you know, because some people say, well, you're just making up sounds. Well, maybe sometimes you are. I've prayed in tongues before, and it just felt kind of flat, and I'm like, ah, I think I'll try again later. <laughs> but you're, you're praying. So let me just say, praying with your spirit isn't praying with your spirit in an unknown tongue is an act of faith. It's not God taking over. It's not God forcing you to do it. It's not necessarily even a language that somebody else on the other side of the planet understands, although there are miracles where things like that happen. I mean, obviously in the upper room, they all understood each other and they were all foreign to each other. But it's an act of faith. It's, it's a choice. Just like laying hands on the sick and praying for some, you know, it, it's like people that say that God doesn't heal or that he could if he wanted to that judge people that say, let's pray for, let's pray over God. You know, Jesus healed people. Let's pray and believe that they be healed. Amen. You know, nearly every person, real Christian agrees. Yeah, it's in the Bible. The elders of the church anoint the sick and pray for healing. Pray, the, pray for one another that you might be healed, you know. Everybody believes God's a healer. It's just the degree to how you see it in your life and our responsibility, you know, I've got 90,000 things on my mind, and I'm, I'm trying to bring it all back down, but, but, I, but something that I feel like the Lord is pushing me into is like, you know, not to walk the middle of the road, but it's like call people to unity. Find common ground before you start judging each other within the body of Christ. So let me finish this. 
If I pray in a, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So it's, it's a distinction. Because some people will say praying in an unknown, praying in the tongue or praying in the spirit is like English, but it's like when you're filled with the spirit or something like that. But it's, your mind doesn't know what you're saying. So what is the outcome then? I will pray with my spirit and I will pray with my mind also. I will sing with my spirit and I will sing with my mind also. So there's a distinction there. Now, We've been looking at Romans 8 the last few weeks. I'm going to read a lot here, and then I'm going to kind of bring it in for a landing. This is not for me to convince you that tongues are real. You're free to believe whatever you want to believe. I think most of you in here pray in tongues, and probably most people watching us online or listening to this do. But I have a point of where we're going today, but let me get this first. So Romans 8, 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory. Remember, remember Romans 8, he starts out talking about, about spiritual mindedness, carnal mindedness, and all of that. Then the Spirit of God bears witness with your spirit that you're his child, you know, so that the spirit within you cries out, Abba, Father. So he wraps it up in relationship and context. And then he goes on the offense. This is how you live toward the world. All right, so for the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the sons of God. In other words, the planet sitting there going, I wish you people would believe who you are in Christ. Please. That's my interpretation. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. That's a mouthful. 22, for we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together till now. And not only this, but also we ourselves. So, you know, it's, it's tying our capacity as the body of Christ and as believers to exercise our authority in this earth, Amen. to walk as children of God in this earth. And not only this, but also we ourselves having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body, for in hope we have been saved. And this is interesting. It's like, it's like an admonishment to expect what you can't see. And it is talking about salvation, but remember salvation is multi-layered. So Tyria is healed, whole, delivered, made, you know, restored, kept safe, rescued. For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance, we eagerly wait for it. All right, last slide on this passage. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and he searches the hearts, uh, and, and he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Man, I'm telling you, it's a mouthful. You could spend probably three weeks discussing just that section of Scripture right there. But if we look at where he lands the plane here in this idea, first off, starting at the end from the beginning, it's after you have allowed the Spirit 
to pray through you. Because So here's the idea. When you're praying in the Spirit, this is what's happening. He's helping your weakness. When you are tempted, you have the secret weapon to use this gift. But we don't know. I mean, how many, you know, how many of you ever prayed and you don't know how to pray? It's like, I just don't really know what to say here. Do you have that secret weapon to use at that time? And what happens when you do it? The Spirit Himself intercedes for you. You know, theologians agree this, is, this passage is talking about praying in an unknown tongue, talking about praying in the Spirit. Uh, and he who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes for you. I, I want God praying for me, through me. Do you? Now, let me put this in. So, so then after you go through that process where when you don't know what to say, you yield to him and you step out in this gift, then all things work together for good to those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. Not lifting 28 out on its own and you have a flat tire on the way to work that day and then you're like, well, God works everything out to my good. Do you see flat tire in there? Do you see disease or sickness or illness or tornadoes or hurricanes or any of that kind of stuff in there? We do that. Christians are horrible at lifting up a single passage out of Scripture, out of context and making up a whole doctrine. Why? Because it matches our circumstances. This passage right here is probably used more than any other passage to build circumstantial theology. I believe it because it happened to me. Uh, where's the Bible verse? Oh, yeah, see that Bible verse right there? See, I'm right. That's called proof texting. It's out of context. In context, what it's saying is when you don't know how to pray, let God pray through you. There's a, Even deep in your spirit, there are groanings that can't be uttered. And you speak that out. Holy Spirit is in you praying. He's searching your heart. He's interceding for you. He's working through you. Then things work out for you. That's the point. That's what he's saying. You can't attribute difficulty and all these external circumstances in your life and then lump it underneath, but God's going to make it work. Now, he can. It is true that what the enemy means for good, God can use, or many enemy means for bad, God can use for good, right? Harm, good. That's true. But that you can't lift that into this passage here. So I'm kind of being technical and going slow on this part, but I want you to not forsake this gift. Now, if you're born again and you don't use this gift, you don't have to wait for a second anointing or second blessing or second infilling of the Spirit. That's not how it works. When you get born again, God places His Spirit within you in full. You are complete in Him. You have 100% of the Holy Spirit within you. To exercise this gift doesn't mean that you wait for God to send you some other portion of His Spirit. Then you can do it. Because that's the way it's been taught in a lot of churches and a lot of religion is that you get born again, but then you got to get the baptism of the Holy Spirit as if that's when you get the Spirit in you. No, being baptized in something is when you are immersed into it. So the picture is this. God, you put your faith in Him. He puts His Spirit in you. And then from then on, you choose of whether or not you're going to allow that Holy Spirit to come upon you and be empowered from that perspective, right? You're not waiting for the Spirit to come down and empower you. You're, he's inside. The Spirit of the living God is within you with every capacity and gift and power and strength that He has. And so it's up to you to allow that to come upon you. 
How do you do that? That's where you go through Ephesians 3, knowing His love for you. The height, width, depth, and breadth. Depth. <laughs> I'm trying to go fast. You know, all-encompassing love that brings you to the full measure, the fullness of God, right? All right, so praying in an unknown. So if you're born again, you don't use the gift. Don't ever let anybody make you think that you aren't complete in him. It don't, don't let any teaching make you think that you are not full of the spirit of the living God. Man, I'm telling you, I've seen, especially in deliverance ministry, my goodness, you ever been around a heavily focused deliverance minister? You walk away thinking, well, maybe I should get deliverance. You know, they, like the people that have these specialty ministries, they all make you think that you need their ministry to be the Christian that you're supposed to be. Now, we might need deliverance sometimes, you know, from this, the lies that we're believing. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to go fast, but then I'm also trying not to rush it. You guys all stayed here for like two hours last week, so y'all are. All right, let me keep going here. Praying in an unknown tongue with your spirit is co-laboring with God's spirit. All right, so now, Let's kind of start putting this thing together. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. The power of life and death are in your tongue. You're speaking these things out. They're like seeds. So you piggyback in how it happens. When you're sowing the Word, that's what you're doing. When you're praying in the Spirit, you're sowing the Word, the Logos, the logic of God, how He thinks whether you're quoting a scripture or you're praying in an unknown tongue and you're trusting that the Spirit of God is interceding for you and praying through you. How does that all work? It works this way. Like he said in Mark 4, and I should have put the passage in here, Jesus explains how the kingdom works, how it bears fruit in your life. It's like a farmer that casts seed in the ground. He goes to sleep. He wakes up. He doesn't know, but it bears fruit after its own kind. I want to yield every ounce of my being to the Holy Spirit to pray through me because I think He's probably got some pretty good seeds He's going to be putting into my life as I'm yielding to Him to do that. I think He's a pretty smart gardener that as I'm yielding to Him and I'm praying in the Spirit and He's searching my heart and He's searching my life, He's pretty smart and He knows what to do. It's almost like you're giving God the authority to speak into your life for you. But you also have a part to play where you are taking Scripture, you're taking the Word of God, you're sowing it yourself. You know, we're building this, these mantras or these creeds where it's basically a list of Scriptures that have to do. And so you start talking about the idea of confession. Confession is not when you quote a bunch of Scriptures and you're trying to convince God to do something for you. Confession is recognizing what He's already done for you in Christ and you're coming into agreement with what Jesus has accomplished on your behalf. Now, you can get specific because what has He accomplished? He was cursed so that you could be free. He was poor so that you could be rich. Why? So that you can be a blessing. That doesn't mean put the benefits before being a Christian. doesn't mean you chase after prosperity. And I'm not talking about sow a seed so God will give back to you. That's not what I'm talking about. You sow a seed to teach your heart how to trust Him. And then you let God do what He wants to do through you. 
But He happens to just so want to do through you exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think. Don't get selfish about it. So, write and speak hope and life, things that you don't currently see in agreement, in agreement with His Word. So in other words, back in Romans 8 it said, you know, you don't hope for things that you can see. You hope for things that you can't see. So really, when I was putting this together in my mind, this is not necessarily for you individually, selfishly, as much as it is what the world needs from us right now. I mean, I'm telling you, the world is freaking out, scared, needs to see us as believers, strong in who we are in Christ, bringing life to them as well. Sowing those kinds of seeds. Because not only are you sowing seeds in yourself, you're sowing seeds in the other people around you. The world, especially this nation, when we're in this, this country, we need, we need to be those life bringers and those you know, life seed planters. Um, we are called to believe and speak heaven's will into existence. Jesus prayed, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All right, so here's your homework. Ready? And again, like I said, I'm going to do something in the Facebook group this week. If you're not on Facebook, I'll probably record those sessions and post them on the podcast or YouTube. So, And I haven't decided yet if we're going to stream those on Wednesday night or not, starting next week, not this week. But, but I will start the homework in the group and send out an email. <clears throat> but here's the homework in a nutshell. It's similar to last week. So do this for your own life and for the world. Two lists of passages and statements, one for your life and one for how you want to impact the world with your life, right? So in other words, let's say that you are struggling with anxiety and fear and depression. Go into the Word of God, find some scriptures that talk about spiritual desires that contradict fear, depression, worry, anxiety, all of that kind of stuff. Remember, going back to the thoughts that you let yourself think about yourself are going to bear fruit. So you're going to be proactive. You're going to go on the offense and find some scriptures that, are, that directly fly in the face of the, mental, the negative mental states that you're letting yourself experience right now. Because we all are. We all have areas where we're sorting things out. And if you're fine financially, there's something going on especially in the context of what's going on in the world right now. We're being squeezed. So you want to actively fix your mind, fix your mouth, so that you're sowing the right seed. You also co-labor with the Spirit of God to sow the right seed within you, but you're intentional about it. So you identify, and this is what I'm struggling with, you know. Maybe, maybe I'm, I'm putting words in your mouth. These guys didn't tell me this. I'm just assuming, but maybe you're retired and it's like, well, I don't know what am I gonna what I'm what am I gonna do now, you know? And so there's uncertainty there, and so now it's like, okay, well, identify what I'm feeling. Be honest with yourself. Maybe it's maybe you have lost your job. Maybe your spouse has just walked through an illness. Maybe there's a diagnosis that's about to happen that you don't know. What are you gonna do? Well, you're gonna use the word of God to plant those seeds and put them in your heart so that you will, they will bear fruit what you want to see happen in your life. And you trust that it will because Jesus said that it will. And even in the midst of it, if it doesn't circumstantially work out the way that you would like it to, 
There's still a strength and a grace to compel you through that process. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. Amen. Amen. And you have the right to stand on His Word and believe that He will be who He said that He is. Identify what you're going through. Get some scriptures that give you hope and life and peace in that. Write them down. And then maybe even write some personal affirmation statements that agree with those passages about, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am a new creation. And so that's what we're going to do this week in the Facebook group and maybe even the first week of the thing is build some confession statements for ourselves that relate to what you're going through right now. Again, not to try to make God do things for you, but to recognize what He already has done for you. And then you get your mind into agreement with those so you stop planting death in your life through sin or just negative carnal thinking. So it's not really anything new, but just being intentional. Because the world around, we need it. Your kids need it. Your spouses need it. Your friends need it. Your co-workers need it from you. The world around us needs us to engage in this seriously, in this process of sowing into ourselves the Word of God so that it will bear fruit. And I'm not just talking about sitting down and reading the Bible. That's good. Do that. But get specific about what you're going through because you're in a process of transformation. You're in a process of mind renewal unto transformation. You're in a process of where you're recognizing that you've been made new in your spirit, but the rest of your being needs to be influenced by what's been done in your spirit. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We trust you. We want to be good stewards, and we want to be disciples of you. We want to follow you. We don't want to just... You know, learn how to manage circumstances so that we stay at peace. We want to be proactive so that we are allowing you to sow the things into us that you want us to be able to do in the future as you call us to follow you. Like, like I don't want to just be limited to what I can think of. I want to yield myself to you and have you plant things within me that bear fruit where I'm used by you the way you want to use me, where you live through me the way that you want to live through me. And it's not my will. And it's not me coming up with the things that I want you to bless me with because you got better ideas than I do. I just want to get out of all that way. I want to get out of my own way and be intentional about planting life in my mind and with my mouth about myself, about others, about my country, and about you. We trust you, Lord. We trust you. Amen? Amen. Well, praise God. I hope that you do that. We will do it together. It's going to be an exercise that we do as a group, and, and I, you know, I really want you to be intentional about it. I think it's going to be a good exercise. So look for those. If you're not in the Facebook group, jump in there. Stand up. Let me just speak life over you. Pay attention to what you're complaining about. Father, I thank you for these people. I thank you for those that are watching and listening. I thank you that we have the opportunity to be life bringers for each other. Father, I thank you that the whole world collectively, the body of Christ, is joining together. Father, I thank you that the church is becoming stronger. I thank you that the church is laying aside division and strife and bitterness and 
wrong teaching. And Father, I thank you that we are just influenced by you. I speak life. I speak health. I speak provision over every single person in this place. And Father, I thank you that they take responsibility, that we all take responsibility to plant your word in our minds, with our mouths, co-laboring with your spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. And thank you to those of you who support Forward Ministries financially. You truly are changing the way the world sees God. You're helping people detox from performance-based religion and experience God's love for them. We're committed to helping you renew your mind so you'll experience transformation and move forward in every area of your life. I pray you're making this hard journey. Visit my website at clintbyers.com for hundreds of free teachings and articles that will empower you to renew your mind and put on your eternal identity in Christ. I'm especially excited about my tools for transformation that have original music and modern technology designed to help you slow down and connect with the Spirit of God in your heart. I'd like to invite you to partner with Forward Ministries. Help us continue to spread the gospel and develop resources that are empowering people to grow in their identity in Christ. Thank you again for joining me. I pray God's blessings and promises over you and your family today.